And we'll start with verse 13 of chapter 4. Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke, we also believe and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling, if indeed by putting it on we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that when that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So, whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. May God bless to us this reading by his holy word. Well, we've been talking about faith here the last number of weeks, and uh, I, I don't know if we still have our definition of faith that we can stick up there, uh, but we say that Christian faith is choosing to trust and act often beyond our natural abilities, based on a true knowledge of God and God's ways, founded in relationship with God the Father through Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, everybody, as we've said, lives by faith. Everybody lives by faith. Not everybody lives by Christian faith, obviously. Uh, This is what makes Christian faith unique. It's in Jesus Christ. But everybody lives by faith. But that presents us with a real challenge. Because there's one thing that I've learned that is true about everybody, that not only do they live by faith, but we cannot trust our perceptions, our senses, and our experiences. Yet many people live by faith in their perceptions, their experiences, their feelings, their thoughts. But science is showing us now, dozens and dozens, hundreds of experiments are starting to show us how unreliable our senses actually are, how unreliable what we think we see is 
whether it's true or not. I can't tell you the number of times that in my own life that I've had somebody think something, like maybe they see me and they see me kind of in, in, uh, with, with a, a down-looking face and all of a sudden they think maybe I'm angry with them or, or that I'm ignoring them or something like that when I haven't even noticed that they were there because I'm so caught up in my, in my thoughts or in what's going on with me. And it's very interesting, you know, that, that people, they'll look at that and they'll see something on me and then they react to what they think they see when what they think they see is not really what they saw. And we're doing this all the time. Uh, it's, it's extraordinary how, how easily we are deceived. I mean, take, for instance, uh, I, I, one, of, one of the things that I cook very well in fact, I'm a real expert at this, is breakfast cereal. You know, the kind that you get out of the box and you put milk on. And I tell you, it is a real art form to get the proper amount of milk with the cereal. You know, you don't want to have any cereal left over without milk, and you don't want to have any milk left over without any cereal. You know, and so I, I, I try to get it just right. Uh, sometimes Karen will come and mess it up by wanting a bite, you know, and she takes, tends to take more cereal than milk, and so then I can end up, you know, kind of messing it up a little bit, but, uh, but that's okay. You know, I, I can do this quite well. But it's really amazing, I've learned, that you have to really pay attention to what you're buying. <coughs> because the size of the box does not determine the amount that's in the box. In fact... They're showing that more and more uh, companies, they're increasing the size of the packaging while decreasing the amount in the packaging. Now, why would they do that? Because they know that most people trust their perceptions. And so if you walk into the supermarket and you see this big box of cereal in the supermarket, if this box is bigger than that box and they're, they're two different brands selling the same kind of cereal, you'll tend to buy the bigger box. And sometimes to add insult to injury, what they'll do, they'll have the bigger box that they charge less money for than the smaller box that actually has more cereal in it. So you think, I'm getting a bigger box and it's cheaper, so I buy this without actually comparing the amount that's in the box. And that's just one example of how people are trusting their senses every single day, but are being deceived by having faith in their senses. A few years ago, Karen and I bought uh, uh, a used car. Uh, we don't tend to buy new cars. We bought a used car, you might have seen it, uh, a Skoda. And uh, one of the things about this car is kind of amazing. As soon as we bought the car, it's, it's like half the world bought Skodas. All of a sudden, I went from not seeing a single Skoda on the road to seeing dozens of Skodas everywhere. It used to be that I saw Kias all over the place. You know, and Kia seemed to me to be the most popular car in the UK. And then I, I got this Skoda and everybody, I, I think maybe I set a trend. And everybody started following my trend and buying Skodas. I'm sorry, Inchung, you know, that uh, maybe I should get a Kia and everybody will start following the trend. I, I, I don't know. Now, of course, you all know that there aren't any more people buying Skodas and any fewer people buying Kias, really, relative to my buying a Skoda. What happened? 
I bought a car and then suddenly I'm seeing more of the brand of car that I bought. It's not that there are more people. It's that I'm seeing it more. You see, my senses are tricking me. Of course, you might say, well, Rod, okay, that's really great. But, uh, but okay, what about science? You know, Because science, that's the way that you can keep your senses from being fooled. If you just follow a scientific method, then you will know, you can prove beyond a shadow of a doubt, and so trust science. We need to trust science. I remember when I was young, that uh, when I was in grade school, I was taught that the universe was infinite. That if you went that direction as far as you could go, and that direction as far as you could go, and that direction as far as you could go, and that direction as far as you can go, and up as far as you can go, and down as far as you can go, and of course, all of those terms are relative, you would never get to the end of the universe. I was also taught that the universe had always existed. That there was never a time when the universe had not existed. The interesting thing about this is I was taught these things after the Big Bang Theory had come into being. And after scientists were starting to promote the Big Bang Theory. But my teachers and my textbooks, my scientific teachers and my scientific textbooks were not representing the Big Bang. When I got a little bit older and people started talking about the Big Bang in science, they talked about it as a false teaching. They talked about it as something that, really, we don't think that this is true, we don't think that this is accurate. And do you know, when it was first proposed, most scientists made fun of the Big Bang Theory, and many scientists rejected the Big Bang Theory. Now, one of the primary reasons the scientists rejected the Big Bang Theory, by the way, is that many scientists immediately recognized that the Big Bang Theory actually verified the Bible. What the Bible said, that there was a creation out of nothing, and there was a point of creation, and that the universe was not infinite at all, but was limited. And now, there is no reputable scientist that will argue for the infinite universe theory. There's none. So if you trusted science for those 20 years or so, or the many, many decades before the Big Bang Theory, if you trusted science and said, this is an accurate representation of reality, you would have missed it. Because now we know it is not an accurate representation of reality. Now, this is quite extraordinary because it challenges this whole issue of faith and it challenges us to ask a serious question, in what am I putting my faith for my life? What am I trusting for my destiny? Am I trusting that this life is all there is and that when I die, I will cease to exist? 
or am I trusting uh, a karmic view of the universe where uh, I'll just be reincarnated into another life form and hopefully I'll go up into a higher caste rather than a lower caste? Uh, or are you trusting that somehow when this life exists, you'll, you'll go into this perfect nothingness and be one with the universe in this, in this state of nirvana? Or do you believe that there will be a resurrection and that you'll stand before the judgment seat of Christ and you'll have to face him and, and deal with that issue in your life and give account for how you lived your life and then be able through faith in Jesus to spend eternity with God. These are all contradictory views of reality. So who are we going to trust? And obviously we say as Christians that the only object, the only reliable object of our faith is God and the one who has revealed God to us is Jesus Christ who is God incarnate and we need to live in light of that reality this is what Paul calls walking by faith and not by sight in a sense the passage we read today is is a bit like the the theme verse when Paul says for we walk by faith not by sight. That's the theme verse really for this whole sermon series on faith. Because we must walk by faith and not by sight. Because if we walk by sight, we will always walk in a way that leads us down the wrong way. We cannot trust what we see indefinitely. Now that doesn't mean, you know, I can't trust that you're here. I believe that you are here. You know, there comes a point in time where, where I can test that a little bit. I can walk up to my, my amigo Federico and I can touch him and I can shake his hands and I say, okay, he's here. He's real. As far as I can tell, I need to, to trust that reality. And so, so I see him and I'm going to walk by that. But why would I even trust that reality? Because the Bible tells me that that is reality. It tells me that this kind of reality exists. And so I need to walk by faith every single day, and I walk by faith in a distinctly Christian way. I have to walk by faith and not by sight. And Paul, in this passage today, gives us some insights in what it means then to walk by faith and not by sight. So I want to quickly run through this passage here and give you a few of the insights that Paul shares with us about how we walk by faith and not by sight. It's not some weird otherworldly thing we do. It's actually something that's anchored in reality. So how do we do this? Well, we'll start out, and, I, and I'll just say I'll refer to the verse numbers, and then I want to give you kind of a summary each point rather than trying to deal with everything uh, exactly like it said. Number one, to walk by faith and not by sight, we need to speak out our faith both to ourselves and to others. Paul says, like everybody else, I believe and therefore I speak. It is not enough, if you're going to walk by faith, it is not enough to have private and privately held beliefs that are never verbally expressed. We will grow stronger in walking by faith if we speak out our belief. And we speak out our belief to ourselves and to other people. That's why with freedom in Christ, we often say the prayers out loud because there's a power when we speak things out loud. And we need to learn how to do that, to speak out our belief if we're going to walk by faith. 
And that has another advantage. It also gives us the advantage that if we say something that's absolutely idiotic, then hopefully our brothers or sisters in Christ will tell us, you know, that doesn't make sense. That's not in the Bible. You can't really believe that. So that's the first thing that Paul tells us. The second thing Paul is telling us, and this is in verse 14, he is effectively telling us to anchor our faith on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. At the end of the day, the one defining reality of Christianity that is a historical reality that is as historically verifiable as any other reality of of the ancient world is that Jesus Christ has risen bodily from the dead. That is the anchor of our faith. You know, there are a lot of times, uh, being honest with you, there are a lot of times when I, I can really struggle sometimes when I say, okay, God, what are you doing? I don't understand this. I don't understand what's going on. I don't understand why the, we have some of the problems we have in the world. It doesn't make sense to me. And I, and I can ask that question too, like many other people. You know, how can a loving God allow this, that, and the other thing to happen and, and wrestle with that? And time after time, when I ask these kinds of questions, and they're okay questions to ask, by the way, time after time, I come back to the reality Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. That's the anchor for my faith. That's what holds me down. And if Jesus rose from the dead like he said he would, then I can believe everything else that Jesus said and how he verified who God is to me. And that's the anchor of our faith. The fact that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. The third thing is he goes on in verse 15 Paul is essentially reminding us here, if we're going to walk by faith, we must remember the purpose of our faith. And the purpose of our faith in this world is not just so we'll get saved, but the purpose of our faith is so that grace will go out to other people and thanksgiving will go to God. In other words, we have faith not just for ourselves, not just so we have a get-out-of-hell-free card. We have faith in order to live to bless other people and to bring thanksgiving to God. And when we remember that the purpose of our faith is that, as well as the benefits we receive personally, it will help us to walk by faith. The fourth thing that Paul says, it's there in verse 16, he says basically, do not focus on your weaknesses, frailties, and the deterioration of your body but seek the renewal of your inner self. Don't focus on your weaknesses. Don't focus on your frailties. I talk to Christians all the time who are saying, oh, I I failed this week, or I'm not a really good Christian. I didn't pray as long as I wanted to pray. I don't know the Bible as well as I want to know. And we're talking about all this, and and we're focusing on our frailties. We're focusing on our weaknesses. Uh, Or there are Christians who say, well, I just can't do everything that I want to do, and I can't get it all done. Well, that's your frailty. You're never going to get it all done. Don't focus on those things, but seek the renewal of your inner self. Seek that connection between you and God that allows you to know who God really is and then to choose and trust to act on that basis. The next thing that Paul says is there in verse 17. He's basically telling us if we're going to walk by faith and not by sight, to affirm that our struggles are only light momentary afflictions which are preparing us for an eternal weight of glory. For many people, 
when they have struggles, they think of that as something that invalidates their faith. Oh, if I, if I, if I was really walking with the Lord, I wouldn't have problems. If I really had faith, I wouldn't get sick. If I really had faith, this or that wouldn't happen to me. And that's a completely unbiblical idea. Paul says, these light momentary afflictions, and by the way, if you want to hear about Paul's light momentary afflictions, you can look at other places in, in 2 Corinthians where Paul's talking about being shipwrecked and beaten and having all of these things happen to him, and those are light momentary afflictions. Doesn't sound so light or momentary to me. But remember that when you go through struggles, they are not telling you that there is some problem with you. They are preparing you for the weight of glory that God has for you in Jesus Christ in all eternity. Then the sixth thing, verse 18, he tells us, look to the eternal things that are not seen and refuse to focus on the things we think we see. There are so many times we think that things are getting worse when they're actually getting better. There are so many times when what we see is that we're about to lose when actually we're about to win. There are so many times when what we see is that we're weak, uh, almost worthless people whose lives have no account when the truth is that every single one of our lives matter and God is going to use every single one of us to advance his kingdom and bring glory to his son Jesus Christ. And he is doing that. And so we must remember to look to the eternal things, things that we're not seeing, but things that are promised in the Bible, things that God has spoken to us. We need to look at those things and say, those are the things that are going to last. Those are the things that really matter, not these things we think we see. And then in the first four verses of chapter 5, I'd say that Paul is telling us to keep longing for the time when what is mortal is swallowed up by life. If we're walking by faith, there has to be a certain part of us that always remembers this life is not it. This life is not the end. This life does not bring us everything that we want. This life does not get us the fulfillment of every single promise of God. This life in and of itself is always going to be weak and it's always going to be temporary. And so our longing, if we're going to walk by faith, our longing has to be for the day when Jesus Christ returns. When the day when all God's promises are fulfilled. And the day that we get to the new heavens and the new earth where there's no more sickness, no more crying, no more mourning, no more pain. If we allow ourselves to get focused on this world as the end, we will always lose our faith instead of walking by faith. Then in verse 5 of chapter 5, Paul is telling us here to pay attention to the Spirit of God who is in you as your guarantee. We don't see Jesus. We can see the empty cross behind me, but we don't see Jesus. But we can experience Jesus. We can encounter Jesus. Inside every single one of us as Christians, the Holy Spirit of God has been deposited, and we can encounter that Holy Spirit. We can hear the Spirit speaking to us, giving us uh, uh, information from God, revelation from God, dreams, visions, words. Uh, we can encounter the presence of the Holy Spirit, bringing us peace. There's all these things that will happen to us if we are Christians who have surrendered our lives to Jesus Christ 
eyes, and we need to learn how to pay attention to the Spirit of God. Because walking by faith means also walking by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the only way we can do that is if we cultivate how to pay attention to the Spirit. It's the same way if you're married at all. I mean, when I first got married to Karen, uh, if, if we were in a supermarket or something together uh, and she called out for me, I probably couldn't hear her very well. But now my, my ear is attuned to her voice. And so when she speaks, I will tend to hear her voice above all others. And that's the way we need to learn how to be with the Spirit of God. And there's no easy way to do that. You know, in my case with Karen, it's taken 33 years of marriage. In my case with the Holy Spirit, it's taken over 40 years of walking with Jesus. We learn and we grow and we develop in this, but we need to learn how to pay attention to the Spirit of God who's been given to us as a guarantee. And when you're hearing the Spirit of God, and when that's confirmed in your experience, then you can say, okay, this is walking by faith, and I can continue to do that. And just two more things that we get from this text. In verses 6 to 9, Paul is effectively telling us that if we're going to walk by faith, we must make it our aim, our purpose in life, to please the Lord. That's our purpose. If you make your purpose in life to please yourself, you'll never walk by faith. In fact, you'll lose your faith. If you make it your purpose in life to please your significant other or your children, you will not walk by faith. You'll tend to walk by sight. And here's the great thing. If I make it my aim to please the Lord, the Lord will want me to please my wife. If I make it my aim to please the Lord, the Lord will want me to please the people around me, my friends. Not to do everything they tell me to do, but to do what is best for them. So if I'm walking by faith and not by sight, I must make it my aim to please the Lord. That is my primary purpose in life. If I had all the riches that I want, if I had the Scottish castle that I'd like to have along with the uh, helicopter to fly me back and forth so I could have a commute to stay down here at City Temple, uh, if I had all of those things, if I had a chauffeured limousine to take me from the heliport here to City Temple, uh, if, if I had everybody, you know, all your accolades saying, wow, you know, Rod is the greatest person we've ever met uh, in, in history, if I had a church full of people, but I'm not pleasing the Lord, it's all worthless. And if I have nothing, but I please the Lord, nothing is worth everything. That's walking by faith and not by sight. And the only way we can come to that is really to have faith in Jesus. And there's one other thing that Paul challenges us with if we want to learn how to walk by faith and not by sight. We must live our lives remembering that we will appear before the judgment seat of Christ to receive our reward. Every day of our lives, we must remember that how I live my life today how I invest my life. And that's not only doing Christian kinds of things. I mean, that's how you live your life at work, how you deal with your kids, how you deal with your friends, how you use your money. 
you will give an account for all of those things before the Lord. And we can all receive a reward. And that reward, I think, that we all would love to have is Jesus telling us, hey, well done, good and faithful servant. But if we're walking by faith and not by sight, we must remember this life matters and how I use my life, how I spend my life really makes an eternal difference. And so I need to live my life accordingly. We must learn to walk by faith because we cannot trust walking by our own sight. If you live your life walking by sight, you will never make the kingdom of God. But if you live your life walking by faith and not by sight, even though you'll be right smack dab in the middle of the kingdom of God, you'll seem like a stranger and alien to so many people around you. You'll think, why am I the only person walking by faith? But understand, everybody's walking by faith. The difference is we can trust the one in whom we've placed our faith. We can trust him because Jesus was with the Father before becoming one of us. We can trust him because Jesus said that he would die on the cross to make a way for us to be with the Father. We can trust him because Jesus Christ, who said he would rise on the third day, actually did rise on the third day. We can trust him because this Jesus who rose on the third day, he did not go back and die, but he ascended into heaven. And he makes himself real to us and to billions of people around us in the power of the Holy Spirit. And we can trust him because he's made promises to us, promises that he will fulfill, promises for which he's given us his Holy Spirit as a guarantee. My encouragement to you, my challenge to you, as you think through this list, as you look through this text, uh, and you don't have to remember exactly everything the way I said it, you can just read the text, you can look through the text. My challenge to you is to pick one thing out of that text. To say, God, I want to implement this in my life this week. Your one thing might be the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I am going to re-anchor my faith in Jesus' resurrection. Your one thing might be remembering that I need to focus not on the things that are around me that I think I see, but those eternal things that God has put forth for me in the Bible, in his word. Your one thing may be, you know, Father, I haven't really been living to please you, but from this day, I want to make it my aim to please you. When I'm at work, when I'm at school, when I'm at home, when I'm in the supermarket, when I'm on public transport, I want to make it my aim to please you. Choose your one thing from this passage and begin to walk by faith and not by sight. And Jesus Christ will walk with you in the power of the Holy Spirit. And your heavenly Father will be looking down on you, smiling with joy. Father, we love you and we honor you. We praise you. I thank you, Lord, for this challenge. Help us. Help us 
more and more every day to walk by faith and not by sight. We know it's not easy, Lord. We know it has challenges. But we know that it is possible in the power of your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come and fill us with faith. Fill us with faith that we might walk by that faith every single day to the glory, honor, and praise of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.